The aftermath of learning about a herpes diagnosis is far worse than the actual blister. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate Alexandra conversation. Alexandra Harbushka created life with herpes after she tested positive for a genital herpes infection. Since her harrowing story began, involving feelings of shame, loss, grief, rejection, and deep disconnection, she's made tremendous progress. Following a lot of research and self-work, she now boasts being the creator of a community of people who are transitioning from just surviving a diagnosis to thriving while infected with genital herpes. As a side note, there are always medical exceptions where any infection can be particularly severe or painful, and herpes is no exception. It's important we don't erase the pain that some herpes sufferers experience. There are also treatments now like valcyclovir for those with frequent outbreaks to reduce outbreaks, pain, and transmission. Now let's get to the frank conversation where we work to destigmatize the infection and talk about the hard journey Alexander went on, later creating toolkits, wellness products, and coaching services. Let's hear it from Alexandra herself here on Intimate Interactions. Welcome everyone to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Alexandra Harbushka. She's been living with genital herpes since 2011 and is the founder of Life with Herpes. Uh, Life with Herpes does community toolkits, uh, wellness products, and Alexandra also offers one-on-one calls. Um, you can go there if you want to know more and to learn about the community that exists of folks who have been living with herpes for a very long time. Um, welcome, Alexandra. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Thanks, Victor. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, why don't we start with your story? How did you... How did it come about that you decided you wanted to create this community? Yeah, so very interesting. I like as you mentioned in the introduction, I have had I was diagnosed with genital herpes in 2011, and of course, we have to remember what it was like back in 2011. It's very different now, moving forward. Um, you know, people are talking about taboo topics. People are breaking stigmas, breaking down walls, things like that. And back then, that was something that still didn't exist. I mean. Sex is still very taboo, even today, um, but it's made huge, huge movement. And so I realized in 2017, I was asked to speak at a podcast conference. I I had a podcast, a different podcast at the time, was speaking at the podcast conference, and we were asked to share something that was very vulnerable and that helped you with, with your career. And so I opened up to the audience of a lot of people, I don't know, a couple hundred people saying, I have genital herpes. And mm-hmm. that was like the hardest thing I'd ever I'd ever done, opening up to strangers. Um, but I noticed a few things when I did that. So my, my, my point in mentioning that at a conference was, you need to tell your story. I have my story of genital herpes, but you, 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 and you, and you all have your own unique story. And that helps you connect with other people. It, it, it humiliates you, it, it humbles you. Um, and so by doing that, I realized, wow, I was really helping people, whether they had herpes or not, they had mm-hmm. their own story that they're like, wow, this story, this event in my life has been holding me back, has been keeping me from becoming who I want to be or 
you really seeing the true version of me? And so Mm -hmm. I realized when I did that, I was like, okay, I need to not only encourage people to open up about their stories, but there's no resources out there for herpes. If there were, it was a sterile, very medical type Mm -hmm. of resource. And so I was like, all right, I need to open Mm -hmm. up. I need to support. I need to help people here. Awesome. Great. Um, So when you started creating it, what were some of the challenges that you ran into? Well, obviously talking about sex has its own challenges. Um, You get, I'm coming from a sex education point and you get also put into kind of the raunchy part of sex, right? Or like the porn. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times launching like Facebook and when you post things and try to be educational, and remember this is 2000 now 17, very different Mm -hmm. than we are now. I definitely got a lot of pushback. It was, so that was hard Mm -hmm. on the, the admin side of launching a business. Um, And then also putting it out even on Instagram. I mean, people didn't want to follow an Instagram account called life of herpes because, you know, you follow them, their friends see that. And well, why would you follow it now? It's like, no one cares who you follow. Um, It's not even a big deal, but again, back in 17, that was, that was a big deal. So definitely being, when you're coming from an educational standpoint, you get, um, it was very interesting trying to come up with content that connected to people and how do I make it interesting? Like I said, I didn't want to be sterile. I didn't want to be like, well, the dictionary says, like I wanted it to be fun and sexy and playful and and um, something that really all ages could turn to and not be like, well, this is like, you know, like what my grandma would have written. Mm-hmm. So th- those are my challenges. Yeah, I can totally see what you mean about wanting to create something that isn't sterile. Like the whole point being that like you don't have to live your life like you have this like debilitating medical condition when you have this, you know, normative infection that a lot of people have. And right, it, right. Yeah. And normalize it and also make it so that people don't feel like they're freaked out that they have it. Like you probably have, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying you, Victor, but I'm saying like <laughs> when you're talking to people, it's like you probably have it and you don't know. And I'm not trying to scare you and freak you out and like ruin your day. I'm trying to tell you in a way that's educational. That's mm-hmm. like, let, let's, when, when, when we're diagnosed with herpes, we feel very um, exposed and like we're the brunt of a lot of jokes. And so I try to, kind of flip that and say, when I get either trolls on the internet, they're like, oh, you're disgusting. And you did it. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. okay, cool. That's fine. If you feel that way about me, but I can promise you, you have somebody that you love unconditionally, someone mm-hmm. it's your mother, it's your father, it's your sibling. It's, it's your spouse. It's your potential. Statistically, child. Absolutely. Statistically, there's someone that you love unconditionally that has this. So by telling me I'm disgusting, mm-hmm. you're actually saying that about either a yourself or someone that you truly love. Mm-hmm. And that usually hits home. Yeah, that's a, that's a good strategy. Um, sorry, I'm just collecting my thoughts. Cause yeah, no, statistically it's, it's very, very prevalent. Like I have an oral infection, um, which is again, super normative and doesn't come with the same stigma. Um, right. but like, it's still a herpes infection. Right. And, and I have it as well. I have HSV one oral as well. I, I got that in 2003 when I went on a date and my date kissed me goodnight. Mm-hmm. Um, totally normal thing to do, right. Nothing taboo about that or like oh you were such a slut you shouldn't have or well, nothing i went on a date kissing date. on a first date yeah he actually well see that was interesting he kissed me on the first date and i wasn't prepared for it so i was like 
and I was young. I was still, I was still really young and that was still a really big deal. Obviously as you age, it's not a big deal, but at that point in my life, it was a super big, like innocent, like, oh my gosh, this just happened. Then of course I wake up a few days later with, with oral herpes, but with that, so I've been diagnosed with both and 20 with HSV one oral and 28 with HSV two genital. And the stigma does not, it's not even on the same page. Yeah. Not even, you can't even begin to be on the same page with it. I was bummed out. I was disappointed. I had it like, oh man, now I have this. Okay, whatever. But the Mm -hmm. stigma, what didn't even, I never disclosed that I had it. I didn't think I needed to disclose. I never disclosed Mm -hmm. with partners. I never disclosed when I kissed anybody. And knowing what I know now that if you are going to engage in oral sex, that's something that needs to be disclosed. For sure. Actually transmitted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, and even when I said, um, even when I said like kissing on a first date, um, because we're perfect strangers, it makes complete sense that you took that as me saying, almost like I can't believe you caught it kissing on a first date. But I was actually trying to very sarcastically make fun of like kissing on a first date, you slut. Um, that was right, more. Right. That was more what I was trying to say. It was like anyone can catch it. Right. Anyone and and I, I have a two year old son and and people ask me all the time well like what do you do about your son are you going to give it to your son you you will kiss your son you'll share a fork with your son you'll share a glass of water with your son and mm-hmm. my answer is yes that's I'm a mom I'm his mom that's part of life it's part of life to cuddle kiss hug share things because my son can go to school mm-hmm. and pick up someone else's water bottle or the teacher. You know, Mm -hmm. there's um, three teachers in his classroom. So statistically, one of them has oral herpes. And so it's like, I I can't avoid it to protect Mm -hmm. him. And so again, we can't avoid coming into contact with this. it's, it's, It's there. Statistically, it's also, if I understand the research correctly, really difficult. Well, I shouldn't say really difficult. It's uncommon to get the same form in a separate location after you've contracted it once. That's my understanding. What's what's the research right. on that? Yeah, so that's very interesting. So based on what we know now, so and the reason why I say that, 40 years ago, we didn't know there were two types. We just thought there's herpes, you got it here or you got mm-hmm. it down there. Mm-hmm. So um, then we didn't we didn't have the technology to differentiate the viral DNA to say, oh, they're actually different. So we have type mm-hmm. one, type two. Okay, whatever. So as of now, what we know is the virus cannot reinfect. So once we create antibodies in our system, mm-hmm. our antibodies go in and do what they're supposed to do. They protect us from reinfecting ourselves. So once the antibodies are developed, which can take a couple of weeks to months after your first infection, you cannot reinfect yourself with the same virus. So like Mm -hmm. exactly what you were saying, Victor. So if you have it on your mouth, can you then give it to yourself genitally? Or can you then give it to the other side of your mouth? Or can you then, I don't know, find another location on your body? Sure. If you have the antibodies, it's not going to go there, which also brings up something very interesting, which I didn't know until I started doing this is we mm-hmm. typically think as herpes is oral or genital and that's mm-hmm. it. It only goes oral, only goes genital. And that's where the virus prefers just based on our, our skin. If we are like our lip tissue and our genital tissue, it's tissue. It's not skin. Like, you know, like the skin on your face, skin on your hands, it's a different type of skin. So the herpes virus specifically prefers like the, the pulley tissuey, squishy type of skin. Yeah. So that's where it likes to go. Mm-hmm. However, if you have an open wound, like an opening and you give it an option to go there, then it's Mm going to go there. So perfect example. I said, I'm a mom. Let's say my son has, he falls down and scratches his knee, which he does often. And if I were to have like a active cold sore and I, I were to kiss his knee that had an open wound, I could potentially give it to him then on his knee. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. And would that still, do you think that would still show up with like the same type of lesions? Like mm-hmm. after the skin had healed over top of it? Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's really neat. I didn't know yeah. that at all. It's really cool. Right. I know it's not very common. I do talk to people. They're like, dude, I have it on my hip or I have it on my knee. Like have it on the, you know, like down my thigh near my kneecap. How did I get it there? I don't know. You know, um, maybe you had an open wound and you sat down on a chair or something where somebody had it and you came in contact, you know, you don't, you don't know. I'm pretty surprised that, uh, that there isn't some form of vaccination for it at this point. So there is research and there's been a huge breakthrough recently in the last few weeks. Um, With that being said, I don't feel that I am educated in that Mm -hmm. particular subject to even begin to to talk about it. You know, I'm not a doctor or nurse and I'm not involved in the research, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I have zero doubt there will be something that comes out. I know there's been trials for years. Um, it obviously has to go through the different stages. And what does that mean? Does it mean that it's going to be a vaccine for people who don't have it to prevent them from contracting it? Or does it mean it's going to, there's going to be a vaccine for people with herpes to help lower, you know, the outbreak rate to, to basically suppress the virus? I don't really know. Because a lot of times the word vaccine, the, the word cure, mm-hmm. all of that gets kind of jumbled. So yeah. just to make sure we know there is no cure at this point for herpes. Yeah. There are, there are treatments, there are medications, right. That you can reduce. Um, it's, it's, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm sure you could explain this much better. It's about reducing viral load and like reducing infection symptoms and reducing the length of time that you have lesions for. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what the antiviral does is it actually helps suppress the virus in our system. This virus lives in our nervous system. It it travels along the nerves and that's where we have outbreaks. So a lot of people think, oh, well, it's a blood disease. It's not a blood disease. Mm -hmm. Um, Because one of the ways we test is doing a blood draw to look for the antibodies. So again, the the disease, the side disease, but the virus doesn't live in our blood. It doesn't Mm -hmm. live in our bodily fluids. It's skin to skin. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I can see how people would get confused about that. So (laughs) it's obviously really important for folks to reach out and find community and, you know, to sort of resist that sensation of being alone or living in shame or stigma. Um, I guess I'm curious, what sorts of toolkits have you been able to produce and like, how would you recommend people use them? Yeah. So back to your initial thought here and and comment about community, that's something when I was diagnosed in 2011, I, I literally felt alone. I literally believed that anything I'd ever wanted, anything I'd ever worked for, any, all of my hopes and dreams and desires were now like poof out the window. Wow. They no longer existed. I felt that I as a person no longer existed. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, why did I even go to college? Why did I work hard in college? Uh, why did I get this job? Why, why am I working my ass off to get to, to prove myself in corporate America? Mm-hmm. Why have I been very selective about who I dated and trying, you know, to find the right person in my life rather than just like go out and have fun? Like I was very calculated and I really tried to improve my life to get where I wanted to be. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden I got herpes and you're like, well, that goes out the window. So that was a huge awakening for me to realize like 
I thought that if I did the things right, then, then this wouldn't happen to me. Mm -hmm. And that's not right or wrong. Like you're not right or wrong for getting herpes. You're not a good person or bad person. It's you didn't do anything wrong to get this. So back to the community and what I was initially talking about, you're alone. Mm -hmm. And even if you do open up to a friend, that friend may or may not have been through this, depending on, especially your age, especially your teenager, you know, like as we age, we go through things and we can relate. And as we're, we may not have gone through herpes, but we can have gone through a life event that would have been difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So finding a community where people get what you are going through is the most important thing not feeling alone. And one of the other things that I would say would be the worst thing you could possibly do, which is what everyone absolutely does, but don't do it. And I'm obviously telling you don't do it, but you're going to do it. I did it is Google. Do not turn to Google. It is the scariest thing. I look at Google and I'm like, oh my gosh, herpes is the scariest thing. I can't, I, how could anybody live with that? And mm-hmm. here I have it, right? Um, Google is scary. It shows you pictures, shows you worst case scenarios. It shows you pictures of things that may not even be herpes. I don't know. They show you body parts. I, mean, I don't even know what that body part is on someone's body. Google is a very interesting, it's wonderful, but when you are first diagnosed with herpes or you're trying to self-diagnose, don't turn to Google. So that that's why I created a toolkit that has everything you would want to know, A to Z, if you were first diagnosed. What is herpes? What is herpes not? What does it feel like? What? How, how do we deal with outbreaks? How do we prevent outbreaks? How do we speed up the recovery of outbreaks? Mm-hmm. How do we talk about potentially talking to past partners or future partners? Do we need to disclose? When do, When is it okay not to disclose? Um, all those things. So I put that together in a toolkit. So it's like basically everything I wish I would have gotten day one, opposed to the trifold pamphlet that I got from the doctor. That's like, oh, here's what herpes is. You're like, okay. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible how far we've come just in the years that you're talking about from when you started this to where we are now. Right, right. BC, the province that I live in, literally has a healthcare provider guide that goes into like understanding the emotional reactions of patients to herpes and literally talks about how to validate feelings and like how healthcare professionals should approach talking to people and talking them through fear, shame, shock, denial, guilt, anger, depression, hopelessness, literally looking at it right now. That's awesome. They have that. Yeah. That's awesome. Because, because it is like the the aftermath of learning about a herpes diagnosis is far worse than the actual blister. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, you think about the zit in high school is not that big of a deal, but being made fun of for that zit in high school is yeah, far worse. Yeah, that's true. Than the actual zit. Yep. And I'm not trying to compare herpes to a zit because herpes far su- su- supersedes that, but but just again the 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 awareness that goes with it is is um, or the aftermath of the herpes virus is just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. Um, and specifically of having like a genital infection too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, we're, we're getting pretty close to all the questions I had specifically about your origin story. Did you want to wrap this one up and do another one? Great. Yeah. Thanks so much, Alexandra. I really appreciate having you here on Intimate Interactions. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash intimate victor or tweet me at intimate victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at intimate victor. 
If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>